Well, as I was thinking about this Sunday and all that it was going to mean and how we were going to do what we're doing, I landed uh, repeatedly on a particular passage of Scripture, and I just want to spend a little time very briefly walking through the first few verses of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible, I strongly encourage and exhort you to open your Bible to the book of Philippians. Now, some of you who have been around Bethel for some time, who know me at all, you know that Philippians is one of my very favorite books in the New Testament. Because it's the first church, Philippi, in Western civilization, the first church in Europe. We owe our heritage and our cultural churchianity, if you will, a lot of ways to what happens in the church at Philippi. And it was created accidentally on the backswing. The Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey wasn't even trying to go to Philippi. He was trying to go someplace else. But he goes to Philippi, doesn't even encounter a synagogue. He encounters instead a wealthy fashionista, a demon-possessed slave girl, and a suicidal civil servant, the Roman jailer. And on those three initial conversions, the first church in Western civilization is created. Paul spends maybe a week and a half, two weeks there, not very long at all, and he has to move on, we're told in Acts 16 and Acts 17, to Thessalonica. And they send him, the church at Philippi, two gifts of financial contribution to fund and resource his ministry. And so Paul sits down in prison and writes them the letter to the Philippians. It's a thank you note for their generosity and their giving. Chapter one is all about living lives worthy of the gospel, the gospel, the good news, the great story, the awesome announcement of what God has done in Christ to redeem us to himself and to one another. Live a life worthy of that. Chapter two talks about we are supposed to have the same attitude, mindset, the the thought life of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. It's all about our attitude, our heart set, and our mindset. And then chapter three talks about justification, how a person has right standing with God. They are found guilty, but declared righteous. Talks about sanctification, how a person is ever increasingly conformed into the image of the Son of God. And then it talks about our identity, that we are citizens of heaven, and we are to therefore be colonists of that kingdom. Therefore, we now come to chapter four. And I think this is a very relevant passage for who we are, where we are, when we are. So Philippians chapter four, beginning in verse one. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for. I want you to hear the pastoral affection that Paul has for these people as he's sitting in house arrest prison in Rome. He's writing this letter to the believers in Philippi whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. That crown is Stephanos. It's a victor's crown of laurel leaves, the thing that you get for achieving and accomplishing a victory. He viewed the church at Philippi as a victory. Despite all the other issues that were going on at first Philippi, they were a joy and a crown to the Apostle Paul. And I love looking at the church through that lens. He gives them an imperative. Here's the exhortation. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Stand firm thus, thus. There's a therefore at the beginning of the verse and there's a thus at the end of the verse. Why should they stand firm? Again, because of the end of chapter three. Because of who and whose they are. They are citizens of heaven. (laughs) Their passport is gold. Now more than ever in the year 2020, 
when everyone seems to be dividing with all sorts of explicit anger and emotion and intensity. I'm a red state person. I'm a blue state person. I'm this, I'm that. Paul says, stand firm. Stand firm. You are a gold passport carrying citizen of heaven. Whatever happens at the end of this year will not change in the slightest that you carry a gold passport. You are beloved. Stand firm. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and you are a colonist of the messianic community. Stand firm. Verse two. (laughs) Secured in the pages of history for the last 2,000 years, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Now, I gotta spend just a little bit of time here. These are two women that are very early on in the church at Philippi. And they each get their own verb. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche. It's not I entreat her, but not her. No, no, they each get grammatically their own verb. And it's a little amusing because their names, Euodia, means prosperous journey. Syntyche means pleasant acquaintance. Neither of which they were, apparently. Apparently, these two women were at each other. They could not agree about this, that, or the other. How much cream of mushroom soup to put in the tater tot casserole? I don't know, but it began to have impact and influence in the church, and the church began to divide. Because believe it or not, sometimes that can happen in church. When people don't agree about this issue or that, they begin to say harmful things to one another, and it's bad for the body. It's harmful to the family. You should always wear a mask no matter what, even when you're asleep. You should never wear a mask no matter what, even if you're in a shopping mall. You should do this. You should not do that. But I want you to hear what Paul exhorts these two who don't agree to do. Verse 2, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Oh, that's our great common denominator. We are in Christ. I'm not red, I'm not blue. I'm not against you, I'm not for you. We are in Christ. Therefore, we have all that we need for complete and total agreement. It's been said that nobody bickers at the foot of the cross. I don't know what exactly we're all supposed to do in this craziest of the end of June I've ever been through, But here's what I know. Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you and therefore I do too. We are to agree with one another. And I think when we begin to do that, the entire community in which we find ourselves looks to the church, not as this political epicenter of opinion, but no, those are a bunch of people who look, speak, smell, and act like Jesus. Well, Paul's going to continue, verse 3. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. (laughs) There's somebody who's right in the middle of the fight trying to be a peacemaker between these two women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. These are people who have worked in the gospel before, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. They're recorded forever in the Lamb's book of life. Let's never forget that about one another. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. 
Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. I'm gonna pause here for just a moment because our big idea for the entire morning, even though it's only spoken word, our big idea for the entire morning is very simply two words. Faith works. Faith works. And I mean that both iterations, both ways. Faith works. What this world is clamoring for so desperately right now, at least in my understanding and observation, is peace. Not as the world gives peace, Jesus says. Well, that's all about trying to remedy the externals and the circumstances. No, Jesus says, my peace I give to you. And that faith in who he is, what he has done, works. Faith is the producer of peace. So we get to be those who despite all sorts of craziness happening around us, despite the whole world going all 2020, we have peace because faith works. Now, I hope that you will carry Philippians 4, 5 with you for the next several months, even years. Paul says, let your reasonableness. If you've got a Bible in front of you, you probably see about eight different translations of, four, of that word because nobody really knows how to translate it. The best accurate literal translation of that word would probably go something like this. Verse five, let your radical even keelness, your radical even keelness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The end of 1 Corinthians 16, the apostle Paul writes, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. He is imminent. We don't know how soon, we don't know when, but we live with the understanding, the expectation, and the anticipation that he is at hand. He's coming at any moment. And so let our radical, even keelness be known to everyone. Brother and sister, friend, this is what our world needs so desperately. All too often, Christians think of their Christian life like it's some sort of kayak, that they have to get it just so, they have to have the keel even, and they work so hard through all the circumstances, all the things of life, and oh no, there's a phone call that says I have cancer. Oh no, there's a job loss. Oh no, there's a relational distress. Oh no, there's a, a fracture with my family. Oh no, there's all of these things, and we work so hard to get our kayak even keeled, and then we try to slap a Jesus fish sticker on the kayak. And then when something happens and we think we've gotten it just so and our kayak capsizes, we shake our fist and say, where were you on that one, God? What's the deal with this COVID-19 thing? What's the deal with all these racial tensions? What's the deal with the political landscape? Oh, no, no. See, Jesus is telling us in Philippians 4, 5, I'm not trying to help you steady your kayak. I am the kayak. You are in the Lord. The Lord is in his temple. He is not shaken. We read in those earlier Psalms. Let your radical, even keelness be known to everyone. You will not be shaken because you are in the second member of the Godhead Trinity. Well, I'm gonna offer very briefly in closing some of the best therapy you'll ever see anywhere in the world. Verse six. Do not be anxious about anything. This word that Paul uses, anxious, has the idea of the fear of losing control, <laughs> which is absolute madness because you actually have no control to lose anyway. So don't fear it. You are in the equilibrium, the radical even keelness of Jesus himself. So 
be anxious about nothing, but in everything. Here is how we pray. Super central verse. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. These four different words that Paul uses for prayer. Now, it's a little bit strange. It's not a format. It's not a model. It's, a, it's an instruction that really kind of comes all together. These four words really essentially means like this. In everything, with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, make your requests known. What Paul is saying there is, when we pray... We pray thanking God for every conceivable outcome. I don't know what kind of prayer life you've had over the last four or five months since the world again has gone all 2020. But what the Apostle Paul is exhorting the church at Philippi to do is to pray thanking God in advance for every conceivable outcome. God, if I should lose my job over this, I thank you that you are strong and that you will not be shaken and that you will provide somehow through family, through friends, through church, through community. I thank you that you know how to feed the birds of the air and the lilies of the valley and that you will provide for me as well. God, I thank you that I get to keep my job and that you have provided that and you walk through every single thing that's going on in your life and you pray God thanking him for every conceivable outcome. God, I don't know what the doctor's going to say. It may be stage four. I might be in remission, but I thank you if this happens because I have had the time to spend with my family and these people that are closest to me and I have gotten to experience the conversions of my own children who transitioned from death to life who are now found in the Christ kayak. I thank you for that. Or if it comes back negative and I'm in remission, God, I thank you for that. I thank you for the opportunity to live a life of meaning impact, significance, worth, and value for the time that I have left. I thank you for every conceivable outcome. Candidly, I don't know too many Christians who pray thus, but God is no genie merely trying to grant our wishes. He wants to seize and capture the very center and core of who we are. And Paul says the way we do that is we pray, thanking God in advance for every conceivable outcome. And when you do that, the minutes will fly by. 20, 30, 45 minutes will have gone by and you will emerge from that time of prayer (laughs) with peace because faith works. Well, that's verse six. Verse seven And if we do that, Paul says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, literally will garrison. It'll be like an army around your fort, will garrison your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we pray, thanking God in advance for every conceivable outcome, the peace of God, which we can't understand or explain away, will garrison our hearts. So that is gonna be one of our first of two application points. It goes like this. Prayerful and praiseful meditation is the opposite of worry. Are you worried? Yeah, me too. Until I discipline myself for the purpose of godliness. Prayerful and praiseful meditation is the opposite of worry. Then verse eight. Finally, brothers, this is Paul's second or third finally in the book of Philippians because he's a great evangelical preacher. He knows to just keep saying finally. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any 
excellence. And I love that word, excellence. It's dia pharaoh, dia, through pharaoh, carried, whatever is carried through, meaning the, the solid, pure, eternal things, whatever those things are, set your minds on those things. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Have those things as the influence that comes into your life. Enough of social media. Enough of entertainment television. Enough. Those thoughts, images, ideas, and notions are having a corrosive and corruptive effect on all of us. But listen to what Paul says. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think, set your attitude in your mind about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Look at me, the apostle Paul says, practice these things. Oh, because you see, faith works. It's not passive. We take an active role in setting our hearts affections, our minds, attentions on these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We pray in advance for every conceivable outcome and the peace of God will be with us. And then we diligently, deliberately set our minds on things above, all these noble things, and the God of peace himself will be with us. What we wanna take away from this is our last piece of application. Joy does not depend on circumstance. Joy is a reality because of whose we are, because of what he has done. Joy does not depend on circumstance. Whatever might be going out there with a virus or with social unrest or statues coming down or not coming down has no impact on our joy whatsoever. See, faith works. So during this time, Christian, brother, sister, in Christ, friend, I challenge you and I exhort you to make use of the time. Faith works. Put yours to work. I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna invite you to a time of reflection and a time of introspection, perhaps. Are there some things that you need to let go of? Perhaps you need to trade in the old kayak because it's not that stable after all. But my prayer for the downtown campus of Bethel Bible Church is that our radical even keelness will be known to one another and to the people in the community in which we live. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we do thank you for who you are, for what you have done in Christ to redeem us to yourself and to one another. And so therefore, may we agree with one another in the Lord. May we be reminded that our passport is gold we are citizens of heaven and we are colonists from there. So may we think, feel, and behave accordingly. May these, your people, be characterized and constituted with radical even keelness. Father, would you have your way with us? If there's any here this morning, Father, that don't know you, wherever they are, in their vehicle, in their home, if they don't know you, but they're still trying to balance their own proverbial kayak, would you offer them Jesus? May they step out of death into life, out of darkness into light, and may they be a part of the messianic community, the kingdom of Christ. May it be exactly as I have prayed, God. We pray all these things 
in the power of your spirit and in the name of Jesus. Amen.